Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. If you want to hear more than just this highlight from the program, become a Coast Insider. And you can listen to the full episode, plus recent shows covering the mysterious death of Kurt Cobain, the possibility that government may soon reveal the truth about UFOs, and the power of witchcraft as told by an actual practicing witch. Start listening now by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. George Norrie back with you along with Paul Davids as we talk about his work blowing America's mind. So you were taking the LSD, but they were kind of putting it in water and drinks. You didn't even know you were taking it. Yeah, and sometimes they wanted to uh, give a placebo. Uh, so you, you, know, you, you wouldn't know for sure which times they were actually giving you a psychedelic drug. And the subjects participated for many, many months in the program. For John Selby, it was more than a year before he started to have a breakdown, and uh, he actually fled and fled Princeton at the tail end of this. Jeez, because of the LSD, you think? Well, it was, uh, he doesn't blame the LSD, he blames the Institute and its nefarious (laughs) purposes, and, and some of the dark experiences that they were deliberately putting the subjects into to see if they could induce uh, uh, psychotic and schizophrenic states by taking away your depth perception, by changing your perception of time, uh, slowing time down, speeding time up, uh, changing your sense of size. So you might have the impression that you were very, very small and everybody overpowered you. Uh, And they wanted to see how you reacted to these as opposed to things that for example, a condition that increases your depth perception, which is one of the qualities of a mind expansion experience that you might get under LSD. So, you know, we were under a microscope. We were being used for all of this stuff. Willingly, I want to say, because I really want to get into what the CIA's larger purposes and goals were in MKUltra. Sure, absolutely. one, One project, they financed 149 projects. Different projects? Yes in mind control. And they used 86 different American institutions, including the universities, you know, like Princeton, and research centers, but also uh, prisons. And uh, they used people that were in the military, and then they used people that were at hospitals. This was 1960 money, Paul, but how much do you think they spent on all these? Well, you know, I think they, they admitted to somewhere around 25... $30 Thirty million dollars, so Which you know that's hundreds of millions of dollars in today's today. money. Exactly, and um, you know they put Sidney Gottlieb in charge of the whole thing. That's quite a story. But um, the, with 149 projects out there, obviously, while Osman may have been interested in the difference between consciousness expansion and schizophrenia. The CIA was really interested in manipulation of memory, memory erasure. One of their goals was trying to find drugs or hypnosis techniques where, that they could take retiring CIA agents and put them through a program in which their memory of classified information would be absolutely eradicated. Wow, they want to erase it. Yes. Wow. Yes. So memory erasure was also part of what they were doing with our hypnotic subjects. But they had so many goals. That was part of it. Uh, They were interested in using these techniques and drugs in order to discredit people. Was this under Richard Helms? Yes. 
Richard Helms was head of the CIA at that time. All right. And he appointed Sidney Gottlieb, who he was, Gottlieb was very respected in the CIA. He was honored, intelligence awards, and, but the writing about MKUltra that has followed all of these revelations establishes very clearly that things they were doing absolutely violated the Geneva Convention. Uh, they were illegal. They they were. Um, let's see. What were the what were the things that came down after the Nuremberg trials and the uh, what the Nazis were doing with their experiments and that they were with Mengele, right? Yes, yes, yes. So this it in the larger sense it had a hint of all of that behind it, um, especially because so many of these experiments were done on completely unsuspecting Americans. They had no idea they were either being given these drugs or that any of these things were being done to them. They had Operation Midnight Climax. They would set up brothels in, in, in Las Vegas, and they had safe houses in uh, San Francisco. And people who uh, went to these places, the, the prostitutes would give them LSD. And they would suddenly become guinea pigs in... So they were in on it. Yes, yes. The, the CIA had prostitutes on its payroll Jeez. that were um, serving them. So uh, they, they sometimes sprayed these drugs in public places, in, uh, beaches, parks, inside subways, to see would they get ma- mass panic. They were interested during the Cold War as to what would happen if... Um, an enemy army was subjected en masse to something like LSD. Would they all lay down their weapons, you know, and, mm-hmm. and go home? So it was Cold War. They felt, Richard Helms and Sidney Gottlieb felt this was completely justified, but it was illegal, illegal even under their own charter. The CIA is supposed to deal with foreign intelligence, not to experiment on Americans in hospitals and at universities, and in prisons, or unknowingly, wherever they may be. Was it all drugs that they were using here? They had a list of well over 100 drugs that they were testing. Wow. And I think there's a book called Operation Mind Control that lists all those drugs. I think that's where I saw the list. How many, how many of those drugs today, Paul, are still around? I can't answer that, George. I don't really know. But I, but I, but I do know that with the psychedelics, there's a whole different kind of interest in them today, since some of them uh, seem to have value, particularly for, um, what do they call it, post-traumatic stress disorder? PTSD. Yeah, Yeah, and um, so they're looking at psilocybin that way. Recent research on LSD seems to show it makes connections between neurons that are normally not connected in the brain that can be long-lasting and beneficial in some cases. Let me, let me just step back and mention, Ken Kesey was also one of the MKUltra subjects, a little bit before me. He's the famous great author who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, jeez. We all know that movie. I mean, it won like five Academy Awards, Jack Nicholson. But he wrote that after the fact. Yes, but he, he was part of MKUltra and the LSD experiments. Well, see, how do we know that these experiments didn't enhance people's creativity, like yourself, 
because uh, I'm not sure if you were an artist before that, but you sure are now. It's suspicious. (laughs) You ask a really, really good question because, you know, these drugs have been so demonized. But I want to tell you my own case. Um, You asked, you know, what did I think of Humphrey Osmond? You know, did I like him? When I was in college, I wanted to be Humphrey Osmond. You know, the, the opportunity to work with him, this, I thought this was great. And he, he was the researcher for people just tuning in. I, I wanted to uh, go into psychedelic research. I wanted to be a psychiatrist. When I was at Princeton, I was pre-med. I fulfilled all the pre-med requirements. I even took the medical boards. But the dark side of the experiments that I was part of at the Neuropsychiatric Institute, um, you know, I changed my mind about that. I, I got to a point where I had enough, just like John Selby had enough. I felt manipulated. Uh, Were you scared? At a certain point, yeah. I mean, John Selby really did have a breakdown, and the CIA really did make direct contact with him and threaten him because... He was going public with some of this information at that time. Was anybody listening at that time? Uh, you mean wiretapping? That no. In, in terms of uh, you know, did he have an audience for people? Yeah, to yeah. The to? New York Times, he said, did an article. There was uh, something on CBS because uh, he was doing research on Princeton students that were using uh, LSD and worked on a a pamphlet about psychedelics that had the auspices of uh, the, the, a Princeton mental health committee behind it. And he had many meetings with the president of Princeton at that time, Robert F. Goheen. This is in our book, his encounters with Robert Goheen, who later became Nixon's ambassador to India. Wasn't there a CIA agent that was uh, on LSD in one of these tests? And he jumped out of a window or something? Frank Olson and the family absolutely maintains he did not jump, that they killed him. That they pushed him? He was a biochemist. Um, and, uh, And he invented some things that were, he discovered the CIA was using this to kill people in Europe. And the family maintains that's why they... They got him. There was a settlement with the family at one point, and, and, but they always said it was a suicide. They admitted he'd been given LSD, but they said he jumped out a window, and the family never bought that. And they, they had him. They had his body exhumed. And they found evidence of a blow to the head that wasn't connected with his fall from the window. So that's a really, you know, messy business. And and they they do a television series. I think Wormwood is based on that particular Frank Olson case. So, George, bottom line, dark, dark things were being done by the CIA to a lot of people. But the drugs, LSD can have some very, very positive, and I would, I would agree, mind-expanding. If controlled. And positive influence on creativity. In my own case, in my own case, at one point, I uh, just decided abruptly I was not going to go to medical school, but that I was going to go to Hollywood and work in the movies. When did you dis- how did you decide that? I decided it the night I saw the premiere of Yellow Submarine in London. <laughs> Not really a great movie, Paul. I, I loved Yellow Submarine. I like the music. The Beatles. But 
see, I had always been interested in animation from the time I was a kid. And I had always done these little animated films, and some of them were recognized, and I was published in Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine when I was 13 years old. That's not bad. You know, I was a, co a contest winner there. I always wanted to do movies. Everybody around me said that that was crazy. You know, my father's a college professor. My mother's a teacher. I'm growing up near Washington, D.C. Everyone who's anybody becomes a lawyer, a doctor, a college professor. Or a or dentist or something like yeah. that. Yeah, they don't, they don't abandon their pre-med education and when they've done well already on the med boards and say, you know, to hell with it. I'm dropping it all. I'm going to Hollywood. It was a really sort of strange, gutsy, risky thing that I decided to do. And, and, you know, my mother called up relatives and she said, you know, he's throwing his life away. <laughs> Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.